there is a library that exists at the nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. everyone, and welcome to the Eternity Archives, an actual play TTRPG podcast where we play a team of multi-dimensional archivists seeking to uphold the fabric of reality. My name is Ziva, and my pronouns are she, her. I usually play Linda, the adorable human office lady, but as for now, Linda's taking a bit of a backseat as I anchor the Wheel of Time RPG. When we last left off, Rill and Zen had been in a super badass Wheel of Time fight, and I'd like to go ahead and uh, wrap up the arc. But before then, I want to go ahead and ask my co-hosts our discussion question for this week, which is, who's your favorite mythological figure? Wheel of Time plays really big with these mythological figures and folk characters and like their place in the world. So I thought this was a perfect time to talk about some cool mythology stuff. My favorite mythological figure is really hard for me because I'm super into mythology and I'm super into like archetypes, but I would probably have to say that my favorite mythological figure is Persephone. There's just so much like beautiful weight and mystery associated with the legend of Persephone that I just think that she's like a super interesting character and figure. And I wish Wheel of Time played with that particular myth, but they don't. I don't usually like Greek mythology, but I've been, as with literally everyone, because of Hades, you know, there's been a lot more (laughs) Greek mythology in my face. And Persephone's a cool guy, well, girl, cool, cool guy, metaphorically, um, in Hades. I I enjoy her. She's nice. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll go next. Uh, My name is Bappy. My pronouns are they, them. Uh, I play Real Day Drakel, who is a human wilder in uh, Randland. And my favorite mythological figure, you know... What counts as a mythological figure? Is it just like old stories, like old religion? Yeah, you can't pick an Arknight for this one. Okay, I can't play. I can't pick like <laughs> Pikachu. Like Pikachu's kind of mythological, right? I mean, we could have a whole like discussion about like modern mythology and like stuff like yeah. Superman and stuff, but we probably want to get the episode going at some point. <laughs> That's a fascinating question and we're earmarking that for a future tea time because I'm now I'm like thinking about whether Pokemon count or not. But let's go ahead and say Pokemon don't count for this discussion. <laughs> Damn it. All right. So any like folk hero counts too. Like I totally accept like Paul Bunyan, but don't say Paul Bunyan. (laughs) I'm not going to say Paul Bunyan. (laughs) Um, So I used to be really into Norse mythology because of this old Korean MMO called uh, Ragnarok Online, which was like, yeah, yeah, it took a lot of like (laughs) Norse words and like themes, but like wasn't actually rooted in the mythology at all but i would like instead of doing homework or paying attention in class i'd be reading about uh norse mythology and so i'm trying to think if there's any particular character that stuck out to me i'm just gonna pick garm because i because garm's a dog and dogs are cool that's it it has a cool name and i like dogs (laughs) that's that's a 
That's a good answer. I'll accept that. <laughs> it's a horrible answer. Don't fucking lie to me. <laughs> no, I like it because it's a, it's a mythological cool dog is an awesome answer. My last answer to my own last question was, I like this horse because this horse is magic. So I'm not one to talk. To be fair, your last question was, who's your favorite horse? So <laughs> yeah, well... There's lots of cool horses. I think with Garm, and someone can correct me because it's been like 17 years since I read anything about Norse mythology, but it it was like very, uh, the description was kind of like metal as fuck, where it's like covered in chains and it's- Everything in Norse mythology is metal as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like a gaping hole, like wound in its chest. Norse mythology has no chill at all. Yeah. Norse mythology just as a whole is- is really cool. Would you guys like to hear a fun fact about Vikings real fa- real quick because it's fascinating? Yes. Math was supposed to only be done by women because the Vikings thought it was witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that still not true? Not the women part, but I'm pretty sure math is witchcraft to, I think to a if degree. You, if you do math good enough, yes, I believe it does count as witchcraft. Yeah, yes. exactly. Nothing makes me more angry than like theoretical math. I don't like to say that people who are good at math have different brains because in another life, I looked into this and it is actually not true. It's extremely not true. And I could scream about it all day. But I do think if you like theoretical math, you might have a different brain. (laughs) (laughs) The most wrinkly brain. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to step up now. I'm Dorka. My pronouns are she, her. I am playing Zen, the... Lizard turned Aeol Algae de Siswai. Just, you know, fought a Murdral with my spear, no big deal. My favorite mythological figure is Draupadi, who is from uh, Hindu mythology. She's from a Hindu epic. She was basically a princess. Her father, like, hadn't had any children and basically lit a fire to like swear vengeance against this other kingdom. And she and her brother were like born from this fire of vengeance, which is already extremely badass. That's fucking sick. Yeah, that's cool. But then she grows up and she has five husbands. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, which was very like um, controversial back then. So um at one point like her one of her husbands like gambled away like half his kingdom and also like basically gambled himself and his brothers like into slavery and Draupadi came in and uh basically lawyered shit up and was like no we can't do that we're not doing that and so they tried to like humiliate her by stripping her naked but she uh prayed to krishna and as they were like trying to unwrap her sorry it just never ended um and so eventually they just gave up and were like okay you win and after that she basically convinced her husbands to go to war against these people and um i, th- I think it was like half of all of the warriors on earth died in this war and her husband became king just very badass all around that's yeah that's i've never heard that one before that's fucking cool as shit good for her i'll say it again good for her (laughs) i heard that one on the spirits podcast here's a free shout out for you spirits (laughs) yes it's not like you have exponentially more listeners than us but for the few people (laughs) (laughs) all right So you all, like I said, have finished having a badass Wheel of Time fight. Are you ready to go back on into Randland and see how this wraps up? Wrap me up like a burrito. (laughs) Let's go back to the land of Rand. All right, let's do it. Woo!
all falls silent in the starting as you look over the three defeated shadow spawn. And the first thing that you hear is the young man speaking up and saying, Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure that someone like me even deserves your help, but you gave it anyway. I'm, uh, I'm grateful. Truly. He uh, pulls an item out of his pocket, turning it over in his hands. Uh, you recognize the item from your journal. It's the anomaly, the pocket watch. It won't keep me safe anymore, will it? Uh, Zen holds out her hand to take it from him. What is it? What does it do? Well, it's, uh, it made this, this place w- where I could be safe for a while, or so, so I thought. I thought they couldn't find me, and I thought maybe if I could stay here and, and not touch the source, I'd be okay. Uh, so this is what made the starting? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know, Leda, like, what, is there anything you can do to help this dude, or? Well, I can bring him to other settings where he may be safe for a time, but sooner or later he'll want a channel. Uh, typically, I would bring him to the Red Aja in this case, and they would cut him off from the source permanently. That's about all we can do. And the young man takes a step back from Leda Sedai. He really doesn't want that to happen. Grill would just be like, uh, yeah, I don't know if you should do that. It's kind of, like, not uh, a fun feeling, uh, based on my very brief experience. And he looks at you with pleading eyes and says, are you not from here? Uh, do they have people like me where you're from? Do, do they have, do they have channelers? Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, Zen, do you know what, like, our policy is on, like, taking people? Picking up strays? Yeah, like... I, technically we're strays, aren't we? Like, couldn't we just bring him back? Please, please take me back with you. I can't, I can't stay here. There's, there's nothing for me. Just, just a, a sentence in, in a Tarvalon prison. And it's just a matter of time. Oh, goodness. Uh, um, yeah. Um, L- well, Linda? I mean- y- yes? Do you think uh, you can take more than just the two of us? Well, if, if we can bring the anomalies back, I don't see see why not if it's a if it's a person wait so here's the thing is like if you come with us you're kind of stuck there so it's an okay life it's it's you know no one's gonna hurt you or anything but like i need to put that disclaimer right at the top there so there's nothing left for me here anyway uh my family's gone the children won't take me back i don't want to be gentled i i want to live a different life yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, th- those kids sound like they suck. Yeah, if yeah, if <laughs> Linda can bring bring us back, I'd say go for it. Um, you're not going to get in trouble, are you? And Real would look at Leda. No, Leda's not going to get in trouble. She does a my lips are sealed kind of gesture. Of, this will stay between us. Okay. Dope. All I need to know is that the steading exists for a reason and it will not happen again. Uh, I can't guarantee if it will not happen again, but it's not happening now anymore. So that's always a, a, a plus, I guess. <laughs> well, this thing, Zena shakes the, the pocket watch like this is this is what caused it. And if we take this with us, then it won't happen again. Well, you know, you never know what, you know, more watches could, you know, let's not, let's not. <laughs> well, if that happens, we'll be back, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> then uh, Leda nods solemnly at you, like, do do what you think is right. Uh, okay, but, you know, keep in mind what we talked about on the horse ride slash zen walk here about, <laughs> um, you know, 
Like, if that's just what you want with your life, then uh, go for it. But if it's not, you know, you have options. Uh, just, just some food, food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I took plenty of notes in my journal. I will study them as soon as I return to Tarvalon. Okay, cool. All right. Peace. Zen does uh, finger guns at the Aes Sedai. And she does her best to mimic the finger guns back. Does her best. It's not a complicated gesture. <laughs> well, she's never done it before. She's very slow. Yeah, as Linda beams the back up, real will dab. <laughs> Just to fuck with her. <laughs> as promised, Linda says that she is pulling you back and you feel the void embrace you again. Although this is the first time that you felt the presence of another being coming back with you. When you open your eyes, you find yourselves back in the familiarity of the book drop. The young man that you brought with you looks around in amazement, taking in the spectacle of an impossible number of bookshelves stretching off into what seems like forever. He eyes Zen nervously, not sure what to make of someone neither human nor shadow spawn. And although real, he maybe eyes more nervously since you look much more familiar to a trollic than a human. Wow! <laughs> it's the ram horns. <laughs> but he does know that your presences are familiar. And he realizes that you are the ones who have brought him here. Yeah. When the serious face archivists approach you all to take the anomaly away, he gives it one last reluctant look. It's going to take him time, you realize, to adjust to this new life without fear. You hope that you did the right thing by bringing him back, but he already seems more relaxed and less troubled by being here. Uh, hey, you know, do you know what a, like a pancake is? Do you guys have pancakes where you're from? No, I, I, I've never heard of a, of a pancake. Oh man. Oh, right. Okay. My name is Rill. Uh, this is Zen. Uh, this is Dumpling. Uh, and the cat that was with Rill is now this six-legged wombat looking thing. <laughs> this is not the weirdest thing he's seen today. He's talking to a purple trollic and a lizard woman. Wow. <laughs> There's Trollocs with ram horns. That's that's all. That's all he means. It's nothing personal. And then Rill's just like, yeah. Uh, so what's your what's your name? I guess I, we should have asked you your name before we like kidnapped you, kind of. Uh, so my bad. Hey, we didn't kidnap him. He asked to come. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Sure. But you know. Well, you know. Wait. Yeah. What's your name? <laughs> my my name's Joseph. Okay. Thank you for bringing me with you. Yeah. It's uh. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird place. Can you still do your magic stuff? I don't feel anything. Maybe, maybe you said there's people like me here, but for now, I can't feel anything and I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's not like in a bad way, right? Like, no, I. Not like it is down there. I feel at peace. Yeah. Uh, the world you're from, it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> and we've seen some kind of fucked up stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know. I think you'll be okay here. We'll have you meet Linda. We'll show you what a pancake is. Yeah. Oh, Linda makes the best pancakes. Oh, yeah. Linda walks over um, and she's heard enough of this conversation and saw what happened down there. And she's like a little emotional and she's got some tears in her eyes thinking about this poor man being left behind. And so she just wraps him up in a big hug and says, it's all right. You're safe now. And you're here in the library. You're one of us. And then she comes back and says, hi, I'm Linda. I should probably introduce myself, but I'm kind <laughs> of a hugger. And she um, pulls a blanket out of God knows where and like gently wraps it around his shoulder because that's what you do with people who've had a bad time. And uh, she begins to lead him off for some pancake adventures. And then his orientation. Yeah. yeah and then his, then his employee orientation. 
exactly. We kind of kidnapped this guy, but uh, it's fine, maybe. All right. Woo! We did it! Yeah, you guys did good. You rescued the anomaly, and you rescued a guy from having a bad time. We did a good deed. You did do a good deed. We didn't really do it. It was more like Leda did it, but... Yeah, Leda, <laughs> Leda saved our asses down there. Yeah. yeah. When I was writing this, I forgot that you were going to have two NPCs in the final fight. Despite the fact that I wrote both of them to be during that fight, I um, <laughs> when we started playing, I was like, oh shit, that's two NPCs in the same fight. So so sorry that that was a little OP. If it makes you feel better, uh, the enemies were super OP. I ended up dropping the Merdral's HP down just because I didn't want it to take 47 years to fight him because... So basically, we should not have been there. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what did you all think about the Wheel of Time RPG? I have some really specific thoughts about what it was like to GM for this one, but I'm really interested in hearing from the perspective of a player what you all guys thought about it. Dorka can go first. <laughs> I need to collect my thoughts. <laughs> So I have a lot of opinions, and some of them are from this game, and some of them are from my experience playing the game before. But I think basically, like, I liked it more than I thought I would, even though, like, the skill list is way too long, and there are just a lot of modifiers to add to everything. But I will say that, like, it was good for my, like, dice goblin brain whenever I had a chance to be like, ah, yes, I have six francs in this skill, and I would love to roll it. Like, that did feel good. My feats were fun. I feel like I never do enough with feats in, like, 5e. And in this, I feel like they're a lot more prominent, and you have more of them. And those were cool and interesting. It was a fun way to sort of flavor my character. And I'm sure Vappy will have different opinions on this, and I didn't play a channeler this game. But I actually really like the channeling flavor over the 3.0 magic system. I think it's really cool how you like take specific schools of magic that you're good at and how like if you're proficient in all of the like ingredients to the spell, then you get to cast it lower. I like that you basically learn new weaves by watching other channelers weave. I wish there wasn't all of that gender baggage that goes along with it. Like that is frustrating and clunky, but I do overall, I kind of like the flavor in a in a gamey, in the game sense way. I think I have a little more tolerance for uh, crunch than some people do. I still think that like 3.0 has way too many rules, but I, I find that I didn't mind the numbers as much as I thought. And so I just... I like having high numbers on my skill ranks, and <laughs> I think the magic is cool, is the long and short of it. Yeah, I think um, my biggest beef with just running this is that they're so... The skills I thought were going to be annoying, and I remembered them being annoying, and they weren't actually that annoying. So, you know, I think this is a valid way to do skills, even though I think there's probably ways to do it better. Get rid of the intelligence thing. Yeah, get rid of the intelligence thing would be my biggest, and get rid of half ranks, which then they did in 3.5. My biggest beef is just the amount of shit you have to keep track of in combat and the differences between like weave attacks and combat attacks. I found that really obnoxious because I just had to keep a lot of shit in my head. But Bappy, what did you think? What was your experience? Dorka was right. I do have a different opinion on magic. 
part of it is like, one, I don't really know the Wheel of Time flavor. Like the actual Wheel of Time flavor with the weave and stuff was fine. Um, I thought it was interesting enough. Uh, and also, I don't know how magic works in 3.0. So this is all just fresh, you know, not knowing really anything about either of those things. Uh, I was not a huge fan of the magic system in this game. Like, well, specifically, like I had the, you know, fiery sword ability, which was cool except first off to be a petty bitch why is it called fiery sword if i can make it any simple weapon <laughs> like why call it sword when there's also an ability called blade of fire um i think that's silly just from like a design point of view and then i think it's silly that you cast this as a spell but you still have to roll like a melee attack roll which uses your strength and your decks so it's like i feel like i rolled above average on my stats i had like a like a 17 a 14 a bunch of 13s and then i had the six and a nine which was my decks and my strength and so it's just like yeah i guess maybe if i like multi-classed or something or just rolled better or whatever then um, I wouldn't have had a minus two to my attack rolls, but it's just like silly that I cast a spell to do spell damage. And just because it's like, I, it makes sense, I guess, from like a roleplay standpoint, like, oh, you're punching something. So of course you roll to punch. But like, mechanically speaking, that's silly because I'm a caster. I, I want to roll like my casting modifiers, which I couldn't. And then it was also just like, I'm trying to think, oh, the healing in this, I don't like subdual damage. We didn't really get into it in the game, but from what I understand, when you cast heal, like Leda did for real, she didn't heal all their damage. She just healed their damage and it became subdual damage. And basically what subdual damage is, is it heals at a quicker rate, I think, than like actual damage damage so basically subdual damage is like non-lethal damage so for instance if i took 12 points of subdual damage i would be knocked out unconscious but i would not die versus if i took 12 points of regular damage i would potentially die from that and so in order to have actually healed all that damage she would have had to cast heal and then she would have to cast renew which is what heals all the subdual damage and like cleans that but for renew you have to take uh let me actually check my spell description so to heal 1d4 points of subdual damage at with a level one spell it takes an hour so like at no fucking point would she have been able to do that like in the middle of the fight because we don't have an hour to do that I, mean, I don't think there are healing potions or anything in wheel of time either so no it's yeah and i just like like the whole thing of a lot of game design is like oh if there's like more math and more crunchiness it's meant to be like harder but i also think that people should not make like something being harder should not be like synonymous with something being unfun or like you know like like why if you take away all the healing or you make it so you can cast two spells to actually be healed that's silly and also just the way uh resting works in 3.0 based on what i saw is you can only heal as many health points as your level so if we were level three and we rested we would only be able to heal three hp which is silly because it's like i have very little hp i had 12 hp it would have taken me four days to completely heal because <laughs> i am a caster and i'm i'm squishy <laughs> like so i'm not i don't know i just a lot of it i just feel like the spell casting got like shafted a little bit mechanically speaking so i'm not a huge fan of that i mean there's one thing that is kind of cool that 
that I couldn't do, which was over-channeling. I don't know if that's a 3.0 or a Wheel of Time-specific thing, but basically if you use all your spell slots, uh, you can still try to cast another spell without a spell slot. Um, you would just have to roll like a concentration for it. So like that's kind of cool that you have the opportunity to sort of keep pushing beyond your limits, I guess. That's neat. We obviously didn't get that far because like the spells I have were not like things that could have been useful. Like I had Fiery Sword, Wand of Fire, and Fireball. And it was just like, well, Fireball is a blast radius. So it's like, I don't know if there's a way to like calculate how much, like, how far away I, I should be casting it, like, at the point I'm casting it at. But Wand of Fire is basically the same thing, the same issue I had with Fiery Sword, which was I set a branch on fire and I make a melee attack with the branch. And then it's like, well, I still have a negative two. So, uh, fuck me, I guess. Like, I couldn't really do much, especially since I was so squishy. But that could also, you know, that is also just me not picking the right spells. And, that, you know, that is on me. But yeah, also like kind of the other side, I think it's interesting to have the affinities, but I also don't like how that limits you because it's like you have the five affinities. So I picked spirit and air because I felt like that fit real the best. But like a lot of these fire spells have fire and it's like, okay, if it's only fire and I try to cast it, I can't. Or I can, but it takes one spell slot higher. And it's like I'm level three and the highest spell slot I have is three. Not to mention if it's not within my talent, which is like the school of magic. Like I took elementalism, but like there were some other ones like illusion or healing or whatever. Then I could only cast up to like zero, one, and two, which if I was a higher level, I guess maybe I would have ran into that issue more. But it was like if there's a spell that starts at three and it's not within my talent, then I can't take that at all because I can't, I just can't learn it. And so, like, you know, 5e has that to a point. Like, there's just some spells you just, your class just can't learn. And I think that's fine because, you know, they streamline it a lot more in 5th in edition. That was a long rant. Uh, I just, the magic just wasn't fun to use <laughs> in this game, I feel like. Because <laughs> I just couldn't really do anything. <laughs> and I think part of that is a intentional and thematic thing because it's definitely like it is a fantasy setting but it's definitely not as like high magic as like Dungeons and Dragons and so I think like as we saw from Lita the NPC there like the magic users are very very powerful at higher levels but I think probably not so much they kind of have to struggle through the earlier levels and I think that is like a thematic choice but maybe not like the most fun yeah. yeah, I just, you know, like, what is kind of the point of like, you know, I get it, D&D &D was like the big thing, and you want to sell your franchise on on whatever the big thing is. It just seems silly to be like, we're gonna like do a swords and sorcery type thing with this D&D &D system, and magic is gonna suck shit to cast unless you're like <laughs> level 15. <laughs> and it's just like, well, how many people actually get to level 15? This is, I think, one of my biggest beefs with the system in terms of GMing it, which is that a lot of stuff is locked out at lower levels, or it's like pointless at lower levels. Like it's great that you can cast a level zero heal, but that only recovers one HP. Yeah. No. And it's not even recovers, it just turns it to subdual damage. Yeah. And I was having a really hard time finding appropriately balanced enemies for you guys that are actually fun. So one of the reasons it was so hard to fight the Murdral and one of the reasons that I had all these NPCs in here to fight with you all is because Murdral are like incredibly powerful, 
And Trollocs are less so, but even them, they're pretty beefy. Like the Murdral had a defense of 22, but it's like... (laughs) So at at no point could I have hit it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's got a challenge code E, so it like has challenge codes of A through whatever. But the level A ones suck. (laughs) It's like you want to fight foxes and wildcats and like Grolm. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no one wants to like those are boring. If you're playing a Wheel of Time game, you want the Wheel of Time flavor and you want the epicness. And it's much more interesting for you all as an audience who's maybe not super familiar with Wheel of Time if we're fighting like spooky, scary monsters or stuff that's like thematically interesting versus like you fight an ostrich and a wolf to the death. <laughs> like that's boring. That doesn't tell you anything about the universe. Rib would just go out to like the garden and just fight some feral cats in the library if if they wanted to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also just a bunch of weaves that like you can't even do until your level's five and up. And so it's like that takes a lot of the fun out of it, too. And some of them make sense. Like you can't like do like incredibly powerful rare magic and cannon for lower levels. But like, why can you only do fireball at levels two and up? It's a ball of fire. It's very straightforward. Yeah, like there's no cantrips. Well, I mean, like there's level zero spells, but like, you know, in 5e, your cantrip, you can just cast as much as you want. So like Firebolt is just like a flat 1d10 of damage, which uh, you still have to make a spell attack for. But you can cast that as much as you want. Whereas like here, unless I misunderstood and maybe fucked over my character, uh, it looks like I have level zero spell slots. So it's not like I can just keep casting spells. It's like, I don't have that. Like if this was a more long drawn out fight, I have three level zero spell slots. I have four level one spell slots, two level two spell slots, and then one level three spell slots. So whatever the math is on that, you know, that's less than 10 spells I can cast per day. And it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, third edition does not have cantrips. The level zero spells are limited just like the rest of them. Yeah. And it's it's like you said, like, okay, if you're a higher level character, yeah, you know, you're going to be hot shit and freaking throwing big ass fireballs at people and and killing murdraws and shit uh and then you you have rail who fucking can't punch a trollic <laughs> um, and i rolled like two <laughs> a two on it on 1d10 uh, and you know a lot of that is just like bad luck of course which i have a lot of as 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 listeners will have heard by now um how many ones have i gotten on freaking initiative rolls <laughs> i think so i do many. it at least once per arc yeah so like it's not a real arc unless real is last in the combat yeah. order <laughs> and so like for sure like that is to a degree just like bad luck but also like you know in a i feel like a well-balanced game you you want to have it kind of be like okay well if i suck shit it's kind of because i deserved it and less because oh i've so restrained that like i can only cast three level zero suck ass spells and i'm useless <laughs> like but that's just my my thing like you know and and i haven't played really 3.0 or 3.5 in like the D setting um this is kind of like my first well you know besides the games we we played years ago <laughs> and so like my really only experience is kind of 5e and then what we have done in um like 13th age and stuff like that and just like 5e just makes spell casting more fun in my opinion and yeah they they did i don't know i don't feel like magic is great in 3.0 at least based on what i've played on this yeah <laughs> and i also have to say in this system magic feels weirdly like an afterthought in some ways like the the fact that like it's not clear necessarily how you cast magic and the way that like saving throws work versus just doing an attack 
it's just strange to me, given how important magic is both in D&D gameplay and in the Wheel of Time universe, that this is the way that they chose to handle it. It may just be that that's my own personal feeling about it. It just feels almost shoehorned in, in my personal opinion. Despite the fact that like as a Wheel of Time fan, I love Aes Sedai, I do not like playing magic users in this system just because I feel like the magic is confusing and a little bit ham fisted. But um, but Dorka, you've had you've had very different experiences than me where you actually enjoy the magic in this game. So um, so I think my conclusion from this discussion is uh, is that the magic's really hit or miss. You either kind of love it or you hate it. Yeah, I actually have preferred playing a magic user in this system than I have like in 5e and i i don't really know why i think like part of it is that in this game specifically some of the weaves are kind of like vague enough and not necessarily combat focused so you can do weird things with them like in the last game we played where i was playing an initiate i remember multiple times like using hardened air in really creative ways in combat and that was really fun for me like you know, it's the spell to harden air and you can kind of choose what you do with it. And so out of combat, I could use that to make tools and in combat, I could use that to harden a block of air around an enemy's feet or head and use that in like combat ways, which was fun. It would let me be a little bit creative. But I also wonder now thinking about it, if um, I agree that magic kind of does seem like an afterthought, or at least combat magic seems like an afterthought. And I wonder if in this licensed game in particular, combat is maybe not meant to be like the main focus. Because if you look at it, like a lot of the weaves don't have really combat rules or applications. And also like there's the noble class, which is nothing but like talking. They don't have magic, but they're also not good at fighting. There's just a whole class dedicated to like being the party face in a much more focused way than you get in like other games. And also just like the list of so many skills like yeah it seems like they're encouraging you to try a lot of adventures that are not focused around fighting and killing things yeah yeah but i feel like you could still do that in like for instance like 5e or something like that yeah like, absolutely so i don't know like i guess like you know this is an old game a lot of the design aspects are a bit dated i i feel like that's kind of what i'm chalking up to that it's an old game <laughs> And that's, uh, it's not for me. <laughs> I, I think that's fair. And I think it's, it's important that some of the reason that, like to blend together, uh, Bappy, your point and Dorcas point, I think that some of the reason that the combat versus the magic feels so weird is because it's in the old 3.0 system. And that was a system very focused on combat. Like there's a reason that like all your items have weight. And things like that. And it doesn't to say that you can't have satisfying non-combat focused adventures in third edition because you absolutely can. And lots of people have have played those campaigns. But I think that as a system, its emphasis is on combat, like in terms of the effort and the mechanics kind of all come together to combat. And in this, I feel like they're finding ways to sort of balance that because Wheel of Time as a world certainly has its fair share of combat. But um, yeah, there's a lot of non-combat magic usage and a lot of politics and a lot of adventuring. And so I think they're trying to find a way to bring a lot of that into that very combat heavy framework. And it's, it's a little bit of a, not a mismatch. It's just sometimes you can sort of like see the matrix a little bit <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, I get why this is the way it is. 
And my biggest beef with this is just that I just don't like 3.0 combat. I don't think it's terribly fun to play. I don't think it's terribly fun to listen to. I don't like jamming it because I have to keep track of the 87 million little things. Like it matters like what like a reflex versus a fortitude is and all the bonuses and skills. And since there's 87 skills, it's harder to do versus like in 13th age where there was like a nice card of like, here's what these are. And here's all like, here's a billion monsters at different levels. This is another place where you can kind of see the matrix, which is that they have like a handful of enemies and they're mostly higher level because that's what Wheel of Time is. This is very epic scope, but it does make it kind of frustrating to set up for you all and to set up good, satisfying combat. I know you'd mentioned once that you wanted to run like a Wheel of Time game using the 13th Age system, and that sounds amazing. That would be like my ideal thing because because Wheel of Time is so epic and and it's about like the consequences of individual really important heroes on the universe, it would be such a good fit. Um, And you don't necessarily have icons, but you have like these like major huge cultures and organizations. So like Aes Sedai could be an icon. I would argue that the Amarlin seat is an icon. That's true. Yeah. And the Dragon Reborn is an icon and the Shanshan Empress is an icon. Yeah, I would fucking love to do that. I feel like that would be such a good fit. But for this game, even though it holds a very special place in my heart, I would say if you're interested in Wheel of Time, do some Wheel of Time homebrew, like something like Wheel of Time in 13th Age, or look up the Wheel of Time 5.0 conversion. And if you love D&D 3.0, then go look up a 3.0 or 3.5, the like core book. This particular book, like I said, holds a very special place in my heart. But this is not necessarily the book I would recommend if you're, (laughs) unless you're really into both of those things. If you're like, I love Wheel of Time, I love 3.0, how come I've never heard of this? Get the a copy on eBay or do a little research and see, you know, if a friend has a PDF or something like that. But if you're just like, I'm looking for a good RPG to play with my friends, um, this would not be my first choice. I would say probably 13th Age or 5.0, just based on like this type of game. I also um, had some beef with the organization of this book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was some stuff that was really, really good about it. Like, I think this is one of the better organized books um, because there weren't things like SRDs when this was at its like heyday. There's a ton of tables and the tables make life a lot easier and they're pretty clear. Um, and there's lots of like big, bold headers. Um, but sometimes things are hidden in completely different chapters than you think they're going to be hidden in. So for example, I had a hell of a time figuring out how to tell everyone to calculate their HP because the spot where you calculate HP is in a completely different header than you expect it to be. And if you know 3.0, it's really easy to be like, oh, it's a 3.0 formula, but like you have to dig through a bunch of stuff to find it. <laughs> and and just that it most of this book is organized really well. It doesn't have any of the major foibles and there's a lot of really helpful tables in it. But sometimes they just like sneak an important detail in like two chapters later. And that drives me bonkers. <laughs> yep. I will stand by the points I've made before. Please, for the love of God, put TLDRs in your goddamn books. <laughs> Just please put some easily accessible footnotes in your books because I do not want to scroll to page 205 to fucking find one sentence that I need and it ends up it's not the sentence I need anyway. (laughs) I also, the index in this book is terrible. (laughs) I spent so much time trying to find this fucking HP and I will never forgive you, Wheel of Time RPG. (laughs) (laughs) I think like, 
uh, like you said, it is actually better organized than some other books. I think it's actually like better organized than the 13th Age book, for example. But I think just the fact that there are so many like modifiers and bonuses and so much to put on your character sheet, there are things that like get lost and yeah. it's hard to find. Absolutely. Like 13th Age, the character sheet is like really short, so it has no excuse. <laughs> for being so badly organized this game tries its best yeah that's definitely how i feel about it i feel like they went into this like very well intentioned about making a really usable and fun system uh, and it feels like they thought really hard about the organization where i feel like a lot of other people um, you sort of see like two worlds one of which is like cynical cash grab rpgs that uh that no one wants to spend any time doing and rpgs where people like think really carefully but then just don't organize it well or don't organize it in a way that's intuitive to the most number of players and i feel like this is this is like exactly in the middle where they try really hard and tried to organize it well and it's just there's just so much fucking shit because 3.0 is a lot (laughs) so yeah i think that's kind of where that's where i land on this everything i could say about uh about playing 3.0 is just it's a lot and i wish there were i wish there were more tools for this book in particular there aren't and i knew that that was the deal coming in since it's an older book do you all have any uh any last minute thoughts about uh about the wheel of time game or about 3.0 I do just want to say that, like, this was almost a harder game for me to record than usual, just because, like, I wanted to constantly, like, geek out about things. <laughs> and my restraint was incredible. Ziva, I think your restraint was incredible. I-, I want to know how hard you had to restrain yourself from using Lita instead of uh, Varen. Oh my god, you have no idea. You have no idea how much restraint I had to use to not put Varen die in a bit. Like, and then Varen swoops in and she saves everybody because she's the best. And then she comes to my house and, and like solves all my <laughs> life problems and tells me I'm cool. She has tea with Linda. Yeah, I... <laughs> I it was very hard not to do that. So, uh, yeah, we we tried to keep this accessible to our non Wheel of Time fan. Yes, I hope listeners and Bappy. <laughs> yes, I hope this was interesting and accessible. I hope this um, taught you a little bit about D and D history. Um, I hope you liked hearing about um, maybe a fantasy universe that's a little bit less known, though not that much less known. It's like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, like Wheel of Times, like right up there in terms of fantasy universes that are pretty well known. But but still, I'm amazed by the amount of people who haven't heard of it at this point. So. Um, once the show comes out we'll see (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the game system sucked but i did like everything ziva you did with all the characters and stuff like that thank you um yeah i enjoyed uh getting to know leda and and joseph and and yeah all the characters seemed seemed cool and i think that was a good intro uh to people like me who did don't know shit about wheel time if it was not 3.0 i think <laughs> I I would be less mad about the magic and stuff like that, but yeah. overall, I think uh, the parts that you worked on were good. We're very we're very good and much better than any of the 3.0 bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm just really glad I got to be an IEL. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I would like to point out that this is the system that we've been the most overwhelmingly negative about, but it's also the system that we've all been playing as a group the longest. So. So this is this was an interesting one to record. I love the system and I hate it. It's terrible. So I don't claim it. I don't claim 3.0. <laughs>
I mean, that's also how I feel about Wheel of Time is I love it and it's my favorite thing, but I don't recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Wheel of Time is a, has a complicated legacy, um, though we'll see. Um, though we, you all did just introduce uh, the concept of gay marriage to Randland. So <laughs> yeah, um, I also didn't say the word Randland on this podcast until right now. <laughs> we introduced gay marriage. You heard it here first, Rafe Judkins. Yeah, yeah, it's canon. You have to do it. You have to do it, Rafe. The Eternity Archives has made gay marriage canon and wheel of time we have that power <laughs> um <laughs> also dabs uh real introduced dabbing and and well i guess zen introduced finger guns uh to <laughs> Randland, so those are also now canon yeah look what look what you've brought look what you've brought to this beautiful culture Making history yeah yeah, I think we're in a good spot then to go ahead and wrap up our discussion about the Wheel of Time game. Um, but Babby, do you want to tell us what's next for the Eternity Archives? Yeah. Uh, so I am GMing next. I don't know if people noticed that we kind of went out of order because I'm indecisive. Uh, but I think, not I think, I have. I have finally landed on the role-playing game Henshin, um, which is a diceless system. And it is based off the Power Rangers slash Super Sentai franchise. Uh, Super Sentai is just Japanese Power Rangers, basically. And that's kind of really the best way to describe it succinctly. Uh, it is a Power Rangers-inspired, narratively-driven game. And it's going to be a, a special arc, and you'll see you'll see why. I'm really looking forward to it. We did Ziva and I's uh, geeky obsession this arc, and next arc is Babby's. Oh, let's go. And it's only going to be me. It's just me geeking out with myself. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to learn so much about about uh, Power Rangers and Bugmen. Yeah, I hope you guys, uh, you guys as in... Uh, listeners, but I guess also Dork and Ziva. I hope you guys are ready to listen to just me talking to myself for eight hours. <laughs> Look, I already have music lined up. I'm excited for it. Too. I'm I'm very excited. So yeah, definitely uh definitely hype for that. So yeah, hope everyone looks forward to that as well. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. And uh oh I should have thought of some cool old tongue thing to say for the outro of this, but Karai on Kaldazar. Yeah. Karai on Karai on the Eternity, the Eternity Archive. Archives. <laughs> We're not gonna translate that for you. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> What does a barbarian war criminal, an undead cultist, a pyromaniac goblin, a hot topic reject, and a bard whose family is very, very cursed all have in common? Well, that's very simple. They're all our main cast. We are Goblets and Gays, a mostly Pathfinder 2e podcast set in a homebrew world. If Pathfinder isn't your thing, we have all sorts of other awesome games for you to enjoy. Join us every Wednesday for episodes of our main campaign, Blood of Kings, as these chaotic gays attempt to locate some missing royalty. Don't forget to follow us on all social media channels at Goblets and Gays to stay up to date with our amazing projects. And remember to eat your vegetables. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Bappy, and Ziva. Find us on Twitter at, at @thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Eternity Archives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. 
consider supporting us by telling your friends about us or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash the Eternity Archives. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.